of Ask the Professor. Yes, I'm back from my nap and resuming this crowd-driven feature where we respond to your questions about everything from politics to current events, economics, history, all the things that matter to us in our life together as citizens. And today's question comes from Steve and he asks, why did the Pope condemn Magna Carta? Was it what was in the document? How it was written? What was behind that? And I think that's a great question, not least because as many of you know, I did a documentary on Magna Carta, which in fact addresses this question in some detail, and you can also buy the book. But, here's the short answer. It shows what happens when the papacy gets dragged into secular politics, though it's difficult entirely to avoid because it was to do with an argument about whether the Pope or the King got to make, or at least approve, key clerical appointments, bearing in mind, of course, at the time of Magna Carta, that is in 1215, England is a Catholic country. We tend very much to identify England with Protestantism, though of a non-Calvinist sort, except when you get Oliver Cromwell. But England is, of course, Catholic, until there is Protestantism, which there isn't in the 13th century. Robin Hood, yes, he's a Catholic. So, back to Magna Carta. The beginning of it is actually a conflict between the king and the pope over who's going to be Archbishop of Canterbury. Specifically, can it be Stephen Langton? John says no, the pope says yes. Things escalate to the point where the whole kingdom is placed under interdict, and finally, the pope declares the throne vacant and invites the son of the king of France to go over and help himself to it. And again, I don't know what the pope is meant to do when he's being defied over a matter he thinks is legitimately his, but Saying who's king of England might not be the best plan for the pontiff. At any event, when this happens, bad King John buckles. He allows Stephen Langton into the kingdom, and Langton absolves him for his sins, provided that he respect the liberties of his people. Remarkable thing for the archbishop to insist upon if you've bought the Monty Python vision of medieval history. But Langton was very concerned about this kind of thing. Not just the liberties of the church, but the liberties of the people who worshipped in the church. Now, John promises, but of course, as we all know, he is a slimy and vicious weasel. He doesn't mean a word of it. And eventually things come to such a pass that Langton summons a gathering of clerics and barons, reads them the coronation oath of King Henry I, who is bad King John's great-grandfather, and says we must force the king to reissue this with certain additions. And that's the genesis of Magna Carta. That was in 1213. John, of course, refuses. There's a war. In the end, he's dragged to Runnymede. It's your wax sealier life, and he agrees to Magna Carta. But he doesn't mean it, because, see, vicious weasel above. So John goes to the Pope and says, hey, you know what? I will make England a vassal state of the papacy if you'll help me against these pesky barons and clerics. And the Pope says, sure, you got a deal, buddy. And so he declares Magna Carta null and void. He excommunicates the barons. And Langton, uh, on whose behalf the Pope had had a confrontation with the King, now the Pope and the King are together, well, Langton stands up to both of them. He won't read the excommunication aloud. He's forced to flee the kingdom. How this might have turned out, I do not know, but bad King John died, and his son was induced to reissue Magna Carta, and the story of liberty rolls on, though I do not think the English were going to be deprived of their freedom, especially not 
when they had men like Langton, who, by the way, is the person who divided the Bible into the chapters and verses that we use today. I mean, his day job was clergyman. It was just in his spare time that he brought about Magna Carta. And eventually, you know, people had to forget about that excommunication business and get back to the Pope telling people how they should behave when it came to morality and the king telling them what the law was with the aid, of course, of the parliament that evolved in the wake of Magna Carta to make its guarantees sound. But the problem was that as long as the papacy had strong pretensions to earthly power, it mattered a great deal to kings who got appointed archbishop. So it was as a consequence of having their fingers too deep in the government pie to begin with that the church wound up overreaching on the issue of how England ought to be governed. But have some sympathy for the church because their problem was how could they protect themselves from the state if not by secretly controlling it. And the first article in Magna Carta guarantees the liberty of the church because if the church knows it's safe from the state and that the state is bound to the laws it ostensibly lives under, then it doesn't have to try to be the power behind the throne or we're still on it. So it's all to do with working out how the separation of church and state can be made to function in practice, including that a church that is not the state is not the prey of the state. And this goes on down through... Uh, the reign of Henry VIII, of course. Um, you, you go from the murder of Thomas of Becket, whose bones Henry VIII has destroyed, to the death of Thomas More and beyond. It takes a long time, and it can only work when you really do get the rights of Magna Carta guaranteed. But it comes back to the fact that it was Stephen Langton who defied the Pope on the King on behalf of the Pope, and then defied the Pope and the King on behalf of Magna Carta, who had the clear-headed vision all along that men and women created by God in his image must be free in order to have true human dignity. And it was because the Pope got on the wrong side of that that he declared Magna Carta null and void. And eventually the papacy got it right, we got it right, we have the system of ordered liberty that we live under to this day. It is being eroded, but it is still with us, and it, we must have at least some of the courage and clarity that Stephen Langton had. If you want more, Watch the documentary. It's available free on YouTube, or you can buy it in my store. If you're enjoying this feature, and you want to help it continue, and you got a question, you can send it here, because we are dependent on your questions and comments. And, if you'd like to support it financially, click here and become a one-time or monthly sponsor. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.